three, four, five, six texts for this evening. Uh, we'll probably start, well, you know, let's start in Matthew. If um, I don't think they have that back there, but I want to I start in Matthew. I just want to read this text for you and uh, how it describes Jesus. John the Baptist here describes Jesus in uh, Matthew 3, verse 11. It says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I share that with you tonight as we uh, prepare to talk about revival. If you can fix my, my sound, it's kind of echoey. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of revival spreading across the country right now. Are you watching this, church? Uh, are you, are you, oh, thank you, sir. Are you, uh, everything okay out there? Yeah. Okay. You can shut that door. If somebody can shut that door. There you go. Um, so a lot of conversation about revival uh, interesting uh, to me is the is a lot of the dialogue that's happening about revival. You know, it's spreading. Isn't it interesting where it's spreading? Are you, are you paying attention? I'm gonna, I want to ask you this this front row here. Are, are you all paying attention? Yeah, because I want I want everyone to realize that it's happening. Revival is breaking out. And it's spreading across the country with a, with, with a bunch of kids. They're actually, a lot of them, and, and I heard it's spreading to Texas A&M now, but a lot of the revival that's spreading uh, is just happening among the hungry, the novices of faith, the those that are, that are inexperienced don't have as many years under their belt. It's teaching us a lot, is it not, church? It's making, if, if, if we're paying attention, we've got some repenting to do. If we're paying attention, because what revival's showing us is that it doesn't need a personality. God doesn't even care what your name is, what your title is, how many years you've been around here, how anointed you think you are. God doesn't care what you think you know, how much theology you got underneath your belt, how sound your doctrine is. He just doesn't care. You know what? I, I heard, no, I'm going to say that yet because you'll stop listening to me. I heard there's a bunch of kids uh, and a lot of, some of them aren't even living that right. And God's still showing up. If that don't just kick you in the behind. I thought we had to like do everything in a certain way to get God to show up. Come to find out we didn't need, we don't need lights. Could you see where he's moving? In these old they barely have lights. It's natural light, it's it's the most people. 
People come to church and be turned off by it. They go, these seats are too hard, the lighting's terrible, but no, 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 we need to repent because we got twinkly lights back there, we got these long flowy ones here, we got those other ones back there, we got some up here, we got smoke to make all the lights just hit just right. We we got sound that just is amazing. We got tele, we got we got cameras everywhere. Certainly, this is what God's attracted to. Come to find out. God doesn't even care about all our cameras and our, you see the haze in the room? The haze in the room, the twinkly lights on the wall. He doesn't even care. As a matter of fact, I listened to some of their worship. It's not that good. I mean, I'm not being, I'm, not, I'm just saying like, I wonder how much they practiced. I listened to some of the sermons. Wasn't impressed with that either. So what's revival? What's revival? I mean, we better figure this out. The conversation's interesting to me that it's being criticized so heavily. I would caution everyone. Look at me. I would caution everyone very seriously about criticizing a move of God. It happened one time with Moses. You remember? And Miriam was struck white with leprosy. You be careful criticizing moves of God. You'll be struck with leprosy. You won't feel God for a long time. You go to criticizing what God's doing in the earth and God doesn't like it. He's like, keep your mouth off my prophets. And you do, it's not for you to decide who I deem as my mouthpiece in the land. You don't get to, you don't get to vote on it. Isn't it interesting? We didn't get to vote where, where you know, a lot of ministries, you know, I, know, I got a, a good friend of mine just down the road from Asbury. And I'm like, man, dude, skip right over you. <laughs> right? But then we start, start talking bad about it. I'm like, look, look at me. Revival is worth it. You get it, you get close to revival fire. Now, it's interesting that the word revival is not in the Bible. I just want you to know that. Revive is, but this, this word, this expression of revival, it's not in the Bible. It's not. But if you get around a revivalist, you'll know. Oh, you'll know. Because they've been with the one whose eyes burn like fire, whose winnowing fan is in his hand. They, I've been around. I know. I can, I, I can immediately identify somebody that's on fire, that, that carries revival. I can spot them out from a mile away. I'm like, oh, yeah, you, you, got, you got it. You've been near the fire, and you carry the fire, and if, if, if the situation occurs just right, you'll set a building on fire with Jesus. You'll know. You'll know. You'll know, you know people that have been around revival. 
Because there's an unquenchable fire that they carry. And that's what revival is. It's this unquenchable fire from God that gets inside. It's what Jeremiah said. It gets inside of your bones and nothing satisfies but the fire of God. Nothing. I mean, it purges you. It makes you long. It makes you, it makes you wane in the night. It keeps you up. It keeps you dissatisfied from anything that looks or tastes or sounds like man. Revival. So let's just put a definition to it. I, I tried my best to kind of articulate it, and this is the best I got. It's, a, it's an undeniable and tangible awareness of God's presence that's associated with repentance and spiritual renewal. I'll go even further to add that there's, there's a an equal manifestation of the Holy Spirit that's in the room when you're, when you're in revival. There's a, a, there's a slide I gave you, and it, it kind of lists some of the revivalists of the time and the revivals and how far they go back. But like I said, revivals, not. Nah, if you could show me that slide back there, it's, it's a slide that just kind of, it, it go, it's a timeline. Do you see that? No, you can't really see. Well, yeah, you can see it up there. So, so by, we started calling moves of God in the earth. We started, we started keeping track of them in the 1700s. And then, you know, all of these guys, you know, the, the Wigglesworth and the Finneys and, you know, all of these. We started, we started at Edwards and we... We started tracking this stuff like, no, there's something there. There's something significant happening here and there. And, and you, you know, you do a little research and you can find like, like there's no way you can deny that these moves of God that occur in, in the world are fabricated. There's something happening in the world, regardless of how. You know, we want to say, well, that's not an authentic revival. You, hear the, you heard this conversation out there? That's interesting to me. People from all over the world are drawn to a place. What did Jesus say? If I be lifted up, I'll do what? I'm going to draw. So wherever you see a drawing of God's people, it, you know, we got, this, we got this saying in my house. If it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, you know, shakes its like a duck. You know what it might be? It's a duck. It's a duck. Whenever God's drawing, I, I say, man, there, there might be a revival there. And I'll just say this. Revival's always worth it, and you need to get to it. You need to pursue it. Psalm 107, verse 9. It says, For he satisfies the longing soul, and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. So then, revival is where the personal presence of Christ meets the corporate hunger of man. That's what revival is. There's personal revival but then there's something that happens in the corporate gathering that 
it's just, it's why? You gotta, why is Jesus so attracted to corporate gatherings? Why does the enemy hate? That's a better question. Why does the enemy fight the gathering of God's people? Why does he resist it when we come together? Why does he try his hardest to keep us separated by cultural barriers? Why does he use the powers and principalities of the land to keep the church out of the place of gathering? You want, it's been that way all through the history of man. Just don't allow them to gather corporately. You can't have the personal presence of Jesus on each of us, assemble in a place corporately, suddenly it becomes a tinderbox for heaven to manifest in our gatherings. But what, what is it? What is it about it, a gathering? Why is he attracted to it? Because he says, I've come to satisfy the hunger inside of my people. When You know, when you're born again, the hunger of the world is to be replaced with the hunger of heaven, of Jesus. And when, when Jesus sees the hunger inside of you, when he, when he sees hunger, he says, he says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled when he sees that he's drawn to hunger he satisfies hunger what will cause a revival is the hunger of God's people what will prevent a revival is the lack of hunger God's people, or worse, the, the indifference to hunger by God's people. To be full of the world and have no desire for the things of the Lord. To fill ourselves to overflowing with the sounds and the sights of, of this world, and to arrive on Sunday out of obligation rather than devotion. So revival is hunger. And hunger then is faith. You know your hunger is faith. If you get hungry, you can move mountains. If you, can get, if you can get hungry enough, you can raise the dead. If you can get hungry enough, you can, you can stop the mouths of lions. If you can get hungry in your spirit, you can make the sun stand still. If you get hungry enough. Luke 7, 12. So when he, when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out. A dead boy is a better way. And this, this dead boy was the only son of his mother. And she was a widow. 
a large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and he touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, rise. So he, he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him back to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about Jesus went throughout all Judea and the surrounding region. I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell you what this story is talking about. You got to ask yourself, why did Jesus stop? What was it that made Jesus stop? The report is that there's a widow. There's all, there is this affinity that God has for widows and orphans. Why does Jesus stop for this mourning widow? Her husband, anytime you see a woman in the Bible, ask yourself, what's God saying to the church through this woman? She represents the church. She represents the church. This woman represents the church. Why was Jesus moved with compassion for her? Because the church, the church, the church, the husbandmen of the church has, has gone on. The the husband, the, the, the church has been widowed, and now our, our, our husband has gone on, and he, he's there. So whenever Jesus sees a church, whenever Jesus encounters a mourning, brokenhearted church, he, 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 he stops. He stops. Why? Because he recognizes that it is his bride that is mourning his absence in the land. And when he sees that his bride is mourning his absence in the land, it freezes him in his tracks. And you've got to ask yourself, then who is the son in the story. Who is this son in the story? It's the generations that is responsible, that belongs to the bride. It's the generation that belongs to the bride. It's the, it's the generations that are to be reared in the faith of the church. And, 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 and the story's telling us that a generation has gone lifeless. There's a generation that has gone lifeless. It's, it's Paul's has left it. It's gone. It's, it's no longer with us in the earth. What do we see happening today but God reviving a young generation? How is he doing it? Through the church, through his bride. It freezes Jesus. So Jesus then, Jesus revives a lifeless generation and he restores a heartbroken church simultaneously with the work of revival. With the work, he is he is froze by a church because it, it's his bride. And whatever breaks the heart of his bride freezes him. Why? Because he can't walk by her. He can't walk by you. He cannot walk by you and leave you in that condition. He said, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. You are my bride. And if you're here tonight and, you know, it was a, it was a few weeks ago. I was over here, and it was a man, the power and presence of God was so tangible in the room. And I looked over, and on the front row, 
one of the DSM students, one of the girls, Nadi was over there. And she had her hands down. I kept looking over and, and in her hands there was this, there was like, you know, like somebody had taken a, a, a stick and they, and they put it on it and they made the, an ember. They brought an ember and, and she was carrying in her hands this, this ember. But it was, it was fading fast. It was fading. And I kept looking over there and she, she just, she, in her hands was, was this, it was, it was the beginning of a fire. But it wasn't the fire. It was the beginning of a fire. We've got to move careful. Do you realize that, that the fire in your hands, the fire you carry, if you let it die, if you, if you, don't, if you don't put it on the altar, Do you realize what you could do with the fire in your hands? See, we, we, you're, looking, you're looking here. See, they're, they're looking here. And, and the church, yeah, that's, that's you know, we. He said, he said this in the scriptures. He said, he said in uh, Psalm 51, 17, he said, the sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These God will not despise. What, what, what freezes Jesus? Brokenness. A contrite heart. It says, God, I, I, I refuse to allow. I can't, my son, my, my only son, my, my children, my generation, it, it's, 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 it's dying, God. It's dying. It's dying, God. It's dying. Jesus, it's dying. It freezes Jesus. And it resuscitates a generation. He brings it, he, he does what he's not supposed to do as a, as a rabbinical Jew. He's not supposed to touch these things, but he touches the dead and he rises them to new life. And, and what he's saying to the generation is like, it's time to take the fire. It's time to lose the, 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 the fear of this world. It's time to let go of all that you, you were afraid of. It's time to take the fire of God. The world is waiting for your fire. And, and more specifically, this church waits for your fire. These people wait for your fire. The hospitals down the road wait for your fire. And what you do with it has serious consequence. Jesus revives a lifeless generation and restores a heartbroken church. Revival is dependency and trust. It's dependency and trust to us, God. And here's the deal. It's non-discriminatory. Revival is non-discriminatory. He raises you from the dead, and he doesn't care. Doesn't care. There's no qualifications. 
There's not, you don't have to be smart enough. You, you don't have to like go through a certain class. You don't have to jump through a hoop. He raises us from the dead, and there's no qualification. The, the young boy, he raises from the dead, and he just, you know, he, and the revival of Jesus' breath comes into his life. He didn't make him, he didn't say, he didn't say, like, okay, earn the breath. He didn't say, earn the fire. He didn't, he didn't say, now that I gave you life, he just brought you back to life. It's non-discriminatory. What you see happening all over the world is just not Jesus. What did Joel say? He said, in the last days, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. He didn't qualify the flesh. He didn't say it's going to be white flesh or black flesh or, or tall. Or, he, he didn't say it's going to be holy flesh. He didn't say it was going to be straight sex or gay, straight, straight or, or gay. He just said, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And when I do, it's going to, to work. It's going to activate. It's going to bring life. It's going to uh, resurrect the dead. It's going to bring them out of their hiding places and into God's marvelous light. It's non-discriminatory. Acts 2, 39 to 41. For the promise is to you and to your children. And to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 were added to the church. Peter preaches a sermon. 3,000 people are saved. Revival starts breaking out. Revival is like moving all through the area. And what this teaches us is that what we call revival, the New Testament church describes as a normal response to the gospel. We call it revival. I just listed, I gave you a, a diagram from the 1700s that we've been calling revival for all these years when God would move out. But you know what it is? It's just a normal response to the gospel. And you know what we're waiting for? We're waiting for God to do something miraculous when he already did it. And he's just saying, hey man, go preach the gospel. Go declare the gospel to your neighbors, to your sons, to your daughters, to, to your sisters and brothers. I've already already done it. Now go pro proclaim the gospel and watch the response. It's normal. Revival, you, you should write it down. Revival is normal Christianity. That's normal. And you know, you know when you get around a bunch of, you, you get in a church that that's full of fire, and it's, it's unquenchable because the, the fire of God ruins you. It, if, you know what the fire of God will do? It'll, make, it'll frustrate you because it won't ever let you settle for a service. It won't ever let you come in get a cute sermon, and then walk out. When you get revival fire down on the inside of you, you'll say, I've come for more than cute things. I've come for more than performance. I've come for the fire of God, and I'm not leaving until I feel it. Purge me in some way. Cleanse me to the, I'm not leaving this place the way I came in. It will ruin you. It'll mess you up. And it's the best, it's the sweetest feeling 
It's the sweetest feeling to, to sometime get to the edge of God and I look and say, go, 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 come on, let's go. There's more, there's more of him, there's more of him. And then, and then it doesn't happen and you're just like, there was more of him in the room. And you're frustrated, but let me tell you something. That's the best way to live. He's in search of Jesus to say, man, I'm looking for him. I come today to show up, and I didn't come with nothing. I came with my fire. I came with the fire of God on me. And if you get close enough to me and you got a little fire on you, we're going to start to ignite something in this room. And you think it's hot in here now. You just wait. If we get enough of us in this room, we will turn this city upside down we'll set it on fire they'll look at they'll look from the from the down from the, the mars and they'll see a, a, a fire blazing in northeast ohio it's normal i hear people say no it's normal no it, it's supposed to be Revival is normal. You're supposed to live on fire. You're supposed to be, you're supposed to have something inside of you that just, that makes you twitch a little bit and say, man, if you say the right thing, man, I'm, Jesus is going to jump out of me and jump on you. You just better watch out, you know. It's normal. You know what's not normal. You know what's perverse? It's to sit there. It's to just sit there while you're in the furnace with Jesus and not worship and not praise him and not glorify him. That's perverse in the Lord. That's weird, man. That's weird. That's, that's broke. That's not real. Acts 2. I'll close with this. Acts 2. You, you ask yourself then, okay, Okay, so then, if hunger is revival, if, if revival is dependency and trust, if revival is just like a normal response to the gospel, then how do we sustain it? Because it seems like you wear yourself out trying to sustain it. I heard they, they're getting ready to close down Asbury. I heard about it. And I'm like, that's cool, you know what I mean? I guess. You know, it's, don't forget it's a college. They got to make some money, you know what I mean? Professors getting paid, they ain't teaching. They just a bunch of kids, you know, hanging out with Jesus, you know. So the mechanism, the construct of perverse greed, you know, has a way of shutting things down if you let it. That's another sermon for another day. How do you, how do you, okay. You said, man, preacher, how am I supposed to live with that kind of fire? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. You say, that's not, that's not sustainable, preach. That's not sustainable. You can't sustain a life of fire. I beg to differ. I think, I, I think you've been exposed to the world too long. I, I, I think you've been living on, out there on the margins of faith for too long. Because every man of God that I know, every, every daughter of God that I know, that's a revivalist. 
been carrying fire in their belly for many, many years. There are elders in this room right now that have been carrying fire for generations. And they've just been waiting, and they've just been waiting, and they've just been fueling their fire, and they've just been spending time in the fire with Jesus, and they just, just say, one day, one day, there's going to be an outpouring of God's Spirit so powerful that I'm going to be able to let my fire go fully. One day, it's going to happen. One day, it's going to happen happen but you can sustain fire and here's 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 what the bible tells us the early church showed us just how to do it acts 2 verse 42 said this is what they did right after right after peter preached that and revival broke out this is how they continued revival for all their life all the, all the, this is how they this is how they carried revival all the way to their deathbeds they died in revival. Every one of the apostles died in revival. They died with fire in their belly. They didn't die in fear. They died in fire. And this is what they say. This is it right here. How do you do it? Well, you got to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Stop. So first of all, there has to be a continuance in the apostles' Doctrine. I wish we had some apostles left. But apostles, they're, they, they're rare. They're rare. You don't have many apostles these days. Because I'm going to get myself in trouble. Yeah, I won't do that. You know what else? I'm see my notes right here. It says apostles, those apostles, what they represent is mature Leadership. Mature leadership. Proven leadership. Long time. Never slept with nobody else's wife. Long time in the faith. Never had a scandal. Long time in the faith. Never stole no money from the church. Long Time in the faith. Stayed in the same place for a while. Stayed in the same place for a while. Connected. Here, zoom in on me on this one. If you don't belong to a church family, please sit down. Stop talking. Don't talk no more about revival. If, if you're just out here running around from, from this place to that place, stop talking about revival. What's necessary to maintain your fire is connection to proven leadership. The apostles teaching. Teaching tells us that we must grow. That, that who we are today, the reason we give ourselves to the apostles' doctrine is because the, the measure of our growth determines the measure of revival. So if we increase 
in our wisdom and our stature with God, if we increase in our knowledge with God, what's going to happen when we assemble? The fire of God, the revival of God is going to increase in proportion. So that the early church was taught, listen, you, we got to raise up champions of the faith. We got to raise up mighty warriors of God. You can't allow yourself to be weak in the faith. You got you got to you got to know what you believe. You got to be able to give a, a, a witness, a, a defense of the gospel that you carry in you. You got you got to be strong in the Lord and the powers might. You got to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. He said, "Commit yourself." They were committed to the apostles' doctrine. There's a whole lot there. there I mean. The fact that the early church was committed to the, to the apostles' doctrine tells me that there was something in, in, their, in their faith that's absent from our faith, and that is surrender and accountability. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about it. surrender and accountability, and hey, maybe, maybe you, you can't tell nobody nothing these days. They'll cuss you out, run down the road. And join another church. But the early church, the way they, the re, the way they was able to raise the dead, because there was accountability, they, they said, man, I'm, I'm going to know my faith. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to understand the, the apostles' doctrine. I'm going to grow myself in the wisdom of God. I'm going to be strong in the Lord. They, they surrendered themselves to the apostles' doctrine. And fellowship. Secondly, they had fellowship Fellowship is, you know, it represents a unity of faith. A gospel without relationship is not a gospel. So there was, there was fellowship. There was fellowship in the, watch this, in the breaking of bread. Do you imagine that? They ate food together. How many like food? I love food. You know what I mean? We could just get together eat food, and increase the revival. We can make a revival grow. But it's more than that. It's, it's a covenant meal that signifies that we're waiting for Jesus at any second. That, remember, that's what, the, that's what communion was. Communion was the act of a bride receiving the cup and the bread from her bridegroom and saying, with this cup, we're married. So when we, when we get together in our life groups, when we get together in our life groups, what we're doing is we're, we're eating a meal together. We're eating food. And while we eat that food, what we're saying is we're, we eat this because we're waiting for Jesus to come back. And he might show up at any second. So we eat this meal. Remember what Jesus said? He said, as often as you do this, do what? Remember. Remember me when you do this. What do you need to remember? I could, come, I could come back at any second. I'm coming back at any second. So remember me when you take this food. So it's a, it's a covenant meal that we take. And in that covenant meal, this is how the, the, the early church sustained revival. How were they able to do it? This is how they did it. And then lastly, it says, and they gave themselves to prayer. They gave themselves to covenant connection with one another. There's something very powerful. You know, we make it complicated, but it's something very powerful. Simply by us touching and agreeing in faith. Just something very powerful. And you know why? You know why the enemy fights it? Because he knows this right here, this right here, is how, how revival is sustained. 
If he could separate you, if he could keep you, if he could keep you without the knowledge of faith, if he can separate you from the fellowship of faith, if he could keep you from being married in faith, taking that communion with your sisters and brothers, if he could separate you from that covenant meal, if he can interrupt that, and he, if he, man, and he knows he can't let you touch and agree with stuff. He knows he's got to keep, he, he got to do all he can to keep you out of this church on Sunday and on Wednesday, and he's got to keep you out of those relationships. He got, he's going he's to do whatever he can to keep you from covenant connection to people of faith. Because he knows the moment, the moment you commit yourself to know this word, the moment you say, man, I'm going to make myself accountable to somebody, I'm going to become, I'm going I'm to get discipled in my faith, I'm going to grow in the strength of my faith, I'm going to mature in my faith, I'm not going to eat, uh, I'm not going to drink milk anymore, I'm going to eat the meat of God's word, I'm going I'm to learn it, I'm going to fall underneath an elder in the church, and I'm going to say, teach me what I don't know, tell me. You know, when I, was, when I was early in my faith, I would call Pastor Greg Ball, all the time, I would call him, and I say, I said, Greg, they're telling the same story over and over again. Man, I done read this story uh, uh, four times. They told the same story. He said, Troy, that's the Gospels, dummy. I said, Oh, I said, Why do they keep telling the same story over and over again? He says, From somebody, it's a different person's perspective. I said, Oh, I didn't know that. You know, I, I would read this Bible, and, and and every time I had a question, I would call. I said, I'm going to figure this thing out, man. I'm going to grow in my faith. I'm not about to sit here and not know the word of God. I'm not about to sit here and allow myself to be beat up by the devil. I've been beat up by him enough. I'm not about to let him beat me up anymore. So he knows, like, if he wants to keep revival out of your family, if he wants to keep revival out of this land, all he's got to do is keep you dumb. And how does he do it? Pride. He'll use pride to do it. I don't need that. I don't need to know that. I don't need. I don't need. I, I don't need to answer no man. I don't need. I don't need to be going to no church to be saved. I don't need. I don't need to be around that. I can do this at my house. You don't do that. You go. You eat cereal. You eat Apple Jacks in the morning. Watch cartoons. Go back to sleep. Play some video games. So here, I want. I want to end with this. I want to pray this. Personal revival will always lead to corporate revival. That's how we'll close. And the measure of growth personally will always determine the measure of revival corporately. If, you, if, if enough of us increase our fire, if enough of us increase our fire, if enough of us will repent, if enough of us will repent, and here's where I, I really feel this. It's, revival is always associated with repentance. There's always repentance. And what we need to repent of are wrong mindsets. We have believed that revival is special. It belongs to special people in special places. That is not what the Bible shows us. Revival isn't even a term found in the Bible. The gospel, whenever the gospel is preached, it ignites fire. And the, and the presence of God will come. 
we've got to repent. Repent means to change the way we think. Jesus' first words to his church was what? Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change the, you've been thinking wrong about your life. You've been, you've seen it this way your whole life. The world, how many realize that the world, the world is the matrix, go. You can see it. If you're paying attention right now, you can see it right now. You, man, the world, the world taught me to see wrong. I went to school to be taught to be a subject that consumes. I went to school to be taught. They tried to force me to think their way. And I couldn't do it because I had a praying mother. My mama prayed for me. So when I went to school, the indoctrination wouldn't stick. And they labeled me as a loser. God knew. God knew. And, and, and some of you in here, you can feel the world trying to put you in its mold. The Bible says, be renewed, transformed. Be transformed. Don't allow yourself to be formed into the image that the world is attempting to create. People of God, it's time to repent. Change the way we're thinking. It's time to think like a revivalist. It's time to think like heaven is here right now. It's time to be hungry. This is the season. This isn't the season to be full. This is the season to be empty. Do you know what it's like to be empty? There is this satisfying feeling There's this feeling of health and strength when you're empty. Jesus says, if you'll just get yourself empty, I'll fill you. If you hunger for me, I'll fill you. But you've got to get empty in order to be hungry. You've got to turn off the TV. You've got to stop going to those places. You've got to stop associating with that. You've got to, you've got to get hungry for Jesus. You gotta, you gotta start disconnecting cable lines. You got, you gotta do whatever you gotta do to say, man, I gotta get hungry for Jesus. So you get hungry. He said, "I fill you. I'll fill the hungry soul. If you'll get dependent, if you'll just trust Jesus." If like the bride, if like the widow in the story, you'll just possess a broken and a contrite spirit. Put aside pride. Stop thinking you got it all figured out. Stop thinking you know. Put, change the way you think. Stop thinking you know. And just trust. Trust God. Revival's going to come. It's going to come. Come on, stand with me as we close tonight. Father, thank you. Thank you tonight. Jesus, I pray for mindsets tonight. 
in this room, on, on Facebook, on YouTube, I pray for you right now. It's your mind. Be renewed. That you would be transformed by the renewing of your thoughts. I pray for hunger. I pray for an emptying of your church right now. An emptying of all of this world, this perverse world. We just, we empty ourselves of the longings of this world. We hunger for you, Jesus. Jesus, would you revive a lifeless generation now? Stop because of your bride tonight and revive our generations, our children's children's children. God, we ask for the fire of heaven. Just be set ablaze in their hands. We declare tonight in Jesus' name, no more to think that revival belongs somewhere other than right here, right here in my heart, God. I'm on fire for you. Revive me tonight. Breathe on me tonight, Jesus. Pray this prayer with me if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ. If you don't know the Jesus that I just described, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer of surrender to him tonight. Nobody looking around, just, just you and the Lord. You're watching online, just you and the Lord tonight. You say, I want to know Jesus. I want the fire of Jesus to be on my life. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Make me brand new. I want to live for you and not this world. I give my life to you now. I give you all of my life now. And I take all of your fire, all of your righteousness. I receive it now. And I promise to live for you. Good days and bad days, I belong to you, Jesus. Take my life now. Make a difference in this world. Use me to revive lost generations. Use me to revive my friends and my family. Use me to revive this nation. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Well, thank you for being here tonight. If you, if you want, the altars are open. I invite you to come and spend some time with the Lord if you, if you need to. If not, we'll see you Sunday. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. Thank you for being a part of our midweek service. We love you.